You ever watch TV? Uh, usually it may be late at night. Sometimes you're sitting there unwinding, watching TV, and you're watching TV, and, and someone is promoting or someone is selling the secret to financial success or the secret to financial security. Sometimes it's the secret to, to real estate wealth or real estate success. And, and somebody has written a book or maybe they have a, a video series or maybe there's a seminar coming up and for a certain price, they will tell you the secret. They will let you in on the secret to financial success. Now, I don't know if it's because we're tired when we're watching that, but that, that sure seems alluring. That sure seems enticing. And if there is a secret, if there's a piece of information that results in our financial success, then I would like to have that, that secret. Today, we're going to continue our sermon series, Financial Aid, Finding God's Plan for Your Finances. And today, we are actually going to see there actually is a secret to finding our success in finances, to finding our peace in the area of finances. There truly is, there actually is a secret. Today, here's the good news. You're not going to have to pay for it. Uh, if you would like to leave $199 when you leave, you can give it to one of the ushers or one of these blonde-haired boys over here on your way out. But you're not going to have to pay for it today, and today you will leave this service with the secret. Today our message is entitled, Enough is Enough, The Secret for Financial Peace. Enough is Enough. Now we're in Philippians chapter 4, today verses 11 through 13. Now these are verses that we were pretty familiar with, but maybe verses that are not saying what we think they're saying. And so we're going to see them today. Enough is enough. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11 says this, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for you. We're thankful for the, for the hope and the peace that we have in a risen Savior. Lord, as, as we hear the song a few moments ago, I can't imagine peering into the throne room and seeing our God seated on his throne in the glory of that scene. Lord, we praise you today. We worship you. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word that I pray that the things that, that may hinder us, the attitudes of, of, of our heart and our mind, that we would, we would set those down. So maybe the weariness of, of the things of the world, that we would set them aside and that right now that you would speak to us as your people, that you would teach us today, that, that you would train us today. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the word, the, the greatest thing that could happen is that today they would put their faith in you to the glory of my king. Lord, we just ask that you move in our service. 
that you meet with us through the the preaching of your word in, in this hour. And I pray above all things that Christ is known and that Christ is glorified. Lord, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week as we started our series, remember we saw that in this area, in fact, in all areas, God's word is our source of truth. God's word is our source of truth. Last week we saw that God does care about this issue. Sometimes we think, well, he's worried about these issues, but not this issue. God does care about this issue. God in his grace has spoken and he has has instructed on this issue. And so remember the, the truth of last week is if we are wise, we would turn to God's word as our source of instruction. Now we need to hear that again. And I'm gonna tell you in all the areas of our life, not just this area, if we are wise, we would turn to God's word as our source of instruction. We need to, we need to beat that drum. We need to remind ourselves of that. We need to tell our kids that. Our source of instruction as believers is nothing less than the word of God. Now I can tell you today that is seen as pitiful. Today that is seen as deficient. That is even seen as ignorant. And we are taught, you know, it's okay to turn to the Bible for for areas of religion or maybe for matters of salvation, but we're taught that, you know what, the smart thing is to turn to the the logic of man and the findings of man and to go to the the findings of academia and research and and that's where we're going to find how to live in this world. Well, the truth of last week is God's word is our source of truth. Well, building on that today, I want you to see, and we need to make a a very clear distinction today, building on that, I want us to be sure that the world's way, do not be fooled, the world's way is exactly opposite of God's way. Now, sometimes we think, you know what, these two things can coincide. No, be sure of this. The world's way is exactly opposite of God's way. In fact, it's not just opposite. It is opposed to. It is in opposition to God's way. Now, that's just the fact. The world's way is opposed to the truth of God's way. That's the system that we operate in. Think about this. Think about a couple things here. The world's way teaches us that our value is in our wealth. Our value is in the things that we have and how much we make. And so so if you want to have value in this world, that is the way that you would achieve or or somehow uh, attain value in our world. And so if, if you want to be valued today, it's going to be in how much you have. It's going to be in how much you make. Now, think about that for a second. When we talk about people, we say, well, what do they do? Well, it looks like they're pretty well off. Do they make pretty good money? And that is how we introduce people today. Let me, let me say this to you. This is going to be good news. Let me say this to you. Do you know it is okay to be poor? Do you know it's okay to be poor? It is okay 
to be poor. Now, there's some that say, well, you know what? In the atonement, you were secured this and you have this. And if you're poor, it must be a sign of a lack of this or that. Listen, it is okay to be poor. I was thinking about this. My Paul, he lived two miles north of Oak Union, Texas, in a four-room house that he loved because he moved out of a boxcar into the four-room house. Uh, he later added a bathroom, a fifth room, in the, in the 1950s. Um, the well there at that house wasn't that great. And as a kid, when we took baths, you could put three inches in the tub or else it would fill up with sand. Most of the time we took baths outside. They did not have air conditioning. They had window evaporative coolers. And let me just say, if you want to sleep well, at night, get under an evaporative cooler that's slinging water out on you about every, every 10 seconds. That's a pretty awesome way to sleep. He was a farmer. He wore overalls everywhere he went, a long sleeve shirt. Uh, he did wear a suit to church on Sunday. Thinking about him, he probably never had $20,000 accumulated in a pile in his entire life. He was a good man. He was a hardworking man. He was a funny man. He was not wealthy, but compared to him, Donald Trump's not worth two cents. The world says our value is in how much we have. The world says, oh, you don't have any value until you've got these things, until you've accumulated this stuff. You know what God says? God says the opposite of that. God says our value is not in our wealth. Our, our value is in whose we are. He says, the, the blood of the lamb, we are bought at a price. Do you not understand? You are purchased with a price, the precious blood of a lamb. Your worth is in Jesus Christ. That's opposite of the world. The world comes along today and says, our happiness is in wealth. And I'll just tell you, that's, that's the message of our day. Our happiness is is in what we have. And that's the materialistic drive that we exist in. And it's, it's everywhere. It's in our advertising. It's in the, the mall when we go there. The, the materialistic drive that says, you know what? If you're ever going to be happy, it's not going to be in those clothes. If you're ever going to be happy, it for sure won't be in that car. There's no way. If you're ever going to be happy, it won't be in that neighborhood. It's not possible. And we are sold on the truth that happiness can somehow be bought. And listen, that is the world's way. You're going to be happy when you have these things. You're going to be happy when you have those shoes. You're going to be happy when you live in this neighborhood. And we think happiness can be bought. You know what? God says the exact opposite of that. God says there's no happiness there, not any happiness that lasts. God says it's vanity of vanities. All of it is empty and he tells us there's only lasting happiness in Jesus Christ. world comes along also and tells us our security is in our wealth. And we, we teach that, we promote that, we eat that up as well. Our, our security is in our wealth. And that's, that's how you're going to find stability. And that's where you're going to find peace someday. And that's the only place that you're ever going to be able to relax. You know what? When you get this certain amount of money, when it's stacked up like this, and when it's secure right here, then you'll be able to take a deep breath. Then you'll find peace in your life. And our security is in our wealth. You know what? You better have a big mutual fund, and you better have a big retirement, and you better have bank accounts that are stacked full. And then if you lose your job, you'll be okay. 
Then if you get sick and get a terrible diagnosis, then you're going to be okay. Then if there's a twist in your life, an unexpected turn in your life, then you're going to be safe in those storms. Listen to what God says. Proverbs chapter 23, the wisdom of a holy God says this. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Do not wear yourself out. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. It means take your mind off of that. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, here's the truth. When you set your eyes on it, you finally have it. You see it. You set your eyes on it. It is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. God says, you know what? Wealth is fleeting. He says it's here and it may be secure right now, but in just a second, it can all be gone. Remember the account in in Luke chapter 12, I believe, of the man that that filled his barns up. And he had a a tremendous harvest and he filled his barns up to to overflowing. And he said, what should I do now? The the barns are all full. And he said, I'll tear them all down and I'll build bigger barns. And so he he builds bigger barns and he stuffs them full. The, The harvest is great. And he says, the greatest thing that could ever happen, my barns are full. There's security here. He says, I'll eat and I'll drink and I'll be merry in my life. He says, I have it made. That Bible, the Bible says that night, he died. His life was required of him, he died. And it did not matter. I picture the next day. His family collects him up and takes him somewhere and they're going to they're gonna bury him somewhere. And as they walk by, his barns are big and his barns are full. Friends, the world says that there's security in wealth. Our God says there's only security in the eternal. There's only security in Jesus Christ. So I want you to hear me, and I want you to be very sure of this. I want you to make a a sure distinction today. Be sure of this. The world's way is opposed to God's way. They do not connect. They do not coincide. There is no way to compromise. The world's way is opposed to God's way. Now think about that for just a second. Okay, I get that. I see that. Think about that for just a second. What's this all about? What's this all about? Why would a church take on the issue of finances? What is this all about? I want you to think about this. This is way bigger than we think. This is, this is so much larger, so much deeper than we would ever think. I want you to see this. This is like everything that Satan does. This one area, now this is just one area, but this is like everything that Satan does. He replaces the true with the false. He's the deceiver of the brethren. He's the great liar. He replaces what is true with the false. That's what he does in all areas. Well, listen, in this area, if he can get us to put our hope in our wealth, if he can get us to put our trust in our wealth, if he can get us as a whole culture to tie our value to our wealth, we will miss Jesus. 
Do you see that's what's happening today? Do you see that's, that's what Satan is pulling off as a great victory today in 2019? As you look across our nation today, we have wealth and we have cars and we have stuff. And so you know what? Unless something terrible happens in my daily life, I don't need Jesus. Or in 2019, we're, we're chasing wealth and we're chasing a paycheck and we're chasing some deal that's gonna put us over the hump and we're so busy in our lives that we have no room for Jesus and that is the ploy of Satan. He takes the truth and he robs it away and he replaces it with a lie. So what is the answer? What should we do? What do, we, what do we do here? It all comes down to the secret. It all comes down to the secret. Now let's look at our verses now, our specific verses. In our verses today, Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse 11, in our verses, Paul the apostle is writing the church that he started in Philippi. Now there are some issues going on in that church. He starts the church. He moves on. Now, there are some issues in that church. It is a poor church. Uh, they do not have a lot of resources there. In fact, as you read the letter, he's surprised that they're able to take up the offering that they are. He welcomes it, but they are a poor church. There are also false teachers who are attacking this church. They are making their way into this church and they are, they are teaching mistruth. And so false teaching, false teachers are a threat to this church. There's also some fighting going on in this church. It tells us two of the ladies' names. How would you like to be recorded for, for all of eternity as the two ladies that were fighting in the church? And so this church has a problem with resources. This church has false teaching and teachers coming in and there is fighting going on in the church. Now, when I read that, I go, well, sounds kind of like a normal church. Well, Paul writes them from prison. I believe most likely he's in prison in Rome. Some say it may have been in a different city, but I believe most likely he's in prison in Rome and he writes to instruct them. He writes to encourage them. Now, I want you to see this today and I want you to get a hold of this today. God's word, God's instructing is always for our best. Listen, we need to understand that. God's word, God's teaching, God's instructing is always, always for our best. It's not to crush us. It's not to embarrass us. It's not to smash us. It's not to put a bunch of weight and rules of legalism on us. God's teaching is always to bless us. And so Paul writes to encourage and bless by instructing this church. So that's our context. Now let's look at the verses. Starting in verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Listen to that again. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Now, see this as we look at this 11th verse. Paul's situation is tough. Paul's situation, it is very hard. He is a prisoner. Most likely he is in a small living quarter as a prisoner. 
He is watched by a Roman guard who is assigned to him. His freedom to move about freely is gone. Because he's under the care of the state, there's probably not that much to eat. And so his time, his time is not that prosperous. It's not a good time for him. Most likely his future, he knows, as it looms out there, is not going to be that great. Now, he has hopes that this might happen. He has hopes that he might be released. But he also always knows, most likely, for the stances he has taken, he will be killed. And so he is in a tough situation. And from that, Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. Watch this. The word content, this form of it, is only used one time. This, this version of it, the Greek version of it, it's only used one time in the New Testament. The, the meaning of this word, I have learned to be content, means satisfied. It, it literally means full. I'm full. I have no need. I'm not out looking for anything else. He is satisfied. I've learned to be satisfied in whatever circumstances I'm in. Now, I couldn't think of this. I couldn't think of what he's saying here and not think of the great Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. Remember the account, go with me, remember the account in, in 2 Kings chapter 4, she has blessed Elisha the prophet. He, she has provided for him a room and a desk and every time he comes by, she makes sure there is something to eat. So she has, she has blessed the prophet Elisha and so he asks her, well, find out what does she need. He sends word, what is it that you need? And she answers this, I live among my own people. Now it meant, her answer was, it is taken care of. I live here with my people, it is taken care of. What it means is, when he asked this woman, what do you need? You've been so kind to me as the man of God, as the, the prophet of God. What is it that I can secure for you? He knows the king, he knows those in authority. What is it that you need? What is it that I can do for you? Notice here, she doesn't say, oh, I need some of this. Oh, I need some of that. I don't ever have any of that. And all my friends have that stuff. Oh, I've been cheated out of these things for the way that I'm having to live out here with my husband. And my life is not complete if I do not have those things. And so, brother prophet, let me make you a list of all the things that I need. No, she is content in her state. And so she says to the man of God, not one thing do I need. I am satisfied. Oh, dear friend, what a testimony to the God that we serve when God's people would stop running from here to there and from over there to over here and from this thing and that thing, chasing the things of the world. But we would be able to say, whatever the circumstance in my God, I am satisfied. What a testimony. Enough is enough. Verse 12, moving on. I know how to get along, Paul continues. I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. 
in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul says in verse 12, I have learned. I know how to get along with much, with prosperity in abundance. I know how to get along in much. And I know how to get along with little. I know how to get along, it says, suffering need. Not even having the things that he needs. I know how to get along. I've learned how to get along. Even suffering need. Paul says this, I know how to get along. Notice he says there, the secret. That's a very interesting word. I I have learned, I know the secret. He uses the word, the secret. Secret in the Greek, in the original language, means this. Instruction in a mystery. Understanding what others can't see. The secret Instruction in a mystery, understanding what others can't see. And so I want you to get that today. I want you to see that today. Contentment is the secret, and he has learned the secret to being content. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to stay with me. He has learned that contentment is the secret, and then even greater than that, he has learned the secret to being content. Now, that means there is a secret to contentment. There is a way, there is a truth for us to be content in all situations. Now, that's pretty good news. There is a secret, there is a truth, there is a way that if you will follow it, you will be content, you will be satisfied in all situations. Folks, the world is missing this secret. In fact, it's a truth that they just can't see. That's the actual meaning of the word. The the, the world is missing this secret. That's why the world acts the way the world does. That's why the world seeks the things that the world seeks. The world is missing the secret. Here's the terrible thing. We as believers are missing this secret as well. That's the terrible thing. We live just like this world. We chase the things the world chases. The terrible thing is we're living just like the people that can't see what's there for everybody to see. Let me tell you some statistics. Today in 2019, Americans are carrying the highest total credit card balance in our nation's history. Americans as a nation paid $113 billion in interest on revolving credit cards alone. Now listen, that's not business debt. That's not mortgage debt. That is revolving credit card debt. Americans paid $113 billion in interest in 2018. Listen to this. It's expected to be $122 billion in 2019. The credit card balance of all Americans is estimated to be $1.03 trillion. I don't even know how to write a trillion dollars. $1.03 trillion. Listen to this. 
The average balance per credit card, this is across our entire nation, across all income levels. The average balance per credit card is $6,300. The average household has three credit cards, not counting store cards, which have an average balance of $1,300, and most homes have two of those. The average interest rate on all of those accredited accounts in our nation today is 16.88% interest. Folks, listen, those are signs that we are discontented today. Those are signs today that we're not satisfied today. You know what, I've worked and I've earned this income level, but it's not enough to keep up. It's not enough to keep up with the expectations of my neighbors. And it is a sign that enough is not enough. It is a sign that we are investing in the world system, somehow hoping that we're gonna find the relief that's only available in God's system. We're missing the secret today. Paul reveals there is a secret. The secret is in being content. Then Paul goes further, and I want you to listen very carefully today. Paul tells us the secret to being content. He tells us the secret is contentment, but he tells us the secret to being content. And that leads us to verse 13. I can do all things through him, Christ Jesus. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Most misapplied verse, I believe, in all of Scripture. I think I said that last week about a different verse. Most misapplied verse in all of Scripture. Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The key to understanding this is the all things. You want to know what he's talking about? You want to know the secret to contentment? We have to understand the all things. We need to be very sure today. Listen to me very carefully. Be sure all things are not any job. I I watch people be going to a job interview and say, you know what, I'm going to get this job. I'm not qualified for it, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, you can't get on at NASA and land the space shuttle just because you have this verse. I see people and they think, you know, this this means any dream that I have, anything that I want, I've decided I'm going to play for the Major League Baseball. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe my eight-year-old is going to play in the Major League and he's going to get me out of debt. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you also. It's not an answer for a test you didn't study for. You know what? I didn't study. I didn't even have a book open. You know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to make an A on this thing. I can remember being a young man and getting taped up for a football game and taping yourself up for the football game. And I can remember writing on our tape, writing on my tape, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Evidently that meant hit people out of bounds and step on people's hands with my cleats. I can do all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want you to listen very carefully, very seriously. This is not an open fill in the blank. We've made this an open fill in the blank. 
I want to tell you, it's not an open fill in the blank. If you think this is an open fill in the blank, if we teach that, that's going to end in a bunch of disappointment. You know what? You're going to go to NASA. They're not going to let you fire the space shuttle. You know what? Your kid's probably going to be an accountant or something like that. Maybe not going to work in the Major League Baseball. You know what? If we take this as an open fill in the blank, we're going to start to wonder, well, what's the problem with my faith? What's the problem with my God? What's the problem with my preacher who told me this verse? It is not an open fill in the blank. That's not what this verse is talking about. Lean in. Listen very carefully. The all things. Now, this is serious. Paul says, I can do all things. The all things are the getting along in abundance and the getting along in the suffering of need. I've been rich. I've been poor without. And I've learned the secret to getting along. And I can do both. Here's the secret. The secret is through him who strengthens me. Listen, listen, listen. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, you know what? I can be content only in Jesus Christ. That is what this verse means. It doesn't mean anything else. It means that. I can be content only in Jesus Christ. And if I have all of the success, all successes, and I have all of the houses and all of the clothes, or if I have letdown after letdown and disappointment after disappointment, if I have the career that I ever wanted, or if I end up with cancer, or if I have a divorce, if I'm flying high over here, or if I'm barely crawling along over here, if I have Jesus, I need nothing else, and I am satisfied. That is what Paul is saying. I'm going to apologize to you. I set out to preach a sermon on finances and it ends up being about Jesus Christ. Listen, the key to our contentment is in Jesus Christ. And friend, no matter what the circumstances of life are, if you have Jesus, you can be secure in that. You can be happy in that. There is peace in that. But I want to tell you, all of the success heaped up, none of it without Jesus Christ will produce anything that matters. Listen, we can quit searching. We can quit striving. We can quit running and we can quit grinding. If we have Jesus Christ, we can be satisfied. Several years back, seven, eight, nine, something like that, I did the funeral for a guy who died unexpectedly of a heart attack. Wasn't that old, he's in his low 60s. Wasn't that old, he didn't have heart trouble that they knew of. Died of a heart attack. The family asked me to do the funeral. Knew a lot of people involved in this community, giant crowd. The guy was an atheist. The guy did not believe in God, didn't believe in Christ, he didn't believe in God. And he had the attitude that it was really just about leading a good life. And if you could add to humanity 
Oh, if you could somehow add to humanity, that's the point of life. And so he launched off and he was a member of, of this charity and he was a member of this club and he helped out here and he volunteered over here and he did a whole bunch of good things and he thought, you know, all that matters is if you do these good things to help humanity and when you die, you die. That's just gonna be the end of it. But if you want value in your life, just do these good things. And he rejected, from his own words, he rejected Jesus Christ. Now, I wondered why they would get me to preach that funeral, but I was glad for the opportunity to tell this crowd about Jesus Christ, so I said yes. I, I didn't really know the guy. I knew his rejection of Christ, but I, I was glad for the opportunity to tell him about Jesus Christ, so I said yes. I preached from John chapter 14. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I thought kind of ironic that here's a guy that denied Christ and the, he would probably, he'd probably pass out if he knew some preacher was over his casket saying, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I preached out of John 14. I finished. They opened the casket and there's this guy. And I, I see this guy there. You know, there was a day that he was born and he was some mama's baby. And she picked that boy up and she was so glad. And there was a day when he started making words and another day he started toddling around learning to walk. Here's this guy. He, he, he laughed. Maybe when he was five or six, he played with his friends out in the street. Maybe, maybe he threw a baseball around. He gets married, he falls in love and he has a wife. All the memories of that. He raises these kids, has a couple of kids and, and all the things that go with that. And here, here he is and he's, he's sitting in this casket and he's dead. In his own words, he rejected our Savior, Jesus Christ. And they played his favorite song as all the people passed by. And he'd, he'd actually asked for the song and they, they played his favorite song and I stood there holding the word of God, telling us of the Savior sent to save every last sinner, Jesus. Now watch these people go by his casket. And they laughed, and they smiled, and they recalled. And some of them laughed and said how fitting it was they could remember his favorite song, how fitting it was that they played his favorite song. They smiled as they went by. His favorite song was by the Rolling Stones. And in this room, with a crowd passing by, they played, I can't get no satisfaction. They tipped their heads and they laughed and they smiled. I can't get no satisfaction. I watched his wife go by. I watched his kids go by, and I watched his grandkids get carried by. I can't get no satisfaction. And I thought, you know what? You could have. You could have. You could have. His name was Jesus. I want to tell you, the only hope we have in any area is Jesus Christ. The only way we ever put down the, the discontentment with any area is in Jesus Christ. The only way we're able to finally rest is not in a big account. 
It's in a fulfilled promise of a Savior that has come and has risen from the dead. Our hope, Jesus Christ. And then and only then can we say, I am satisfied. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm thankful that today as we stand here that we have a hope. And I'm thankful that we have a future and it's secure. I'm thankful that we can place our trust in something that's not going to wash away like the sand. Too much rain's not going to ruin it. A drought's not going to dry it out. A thief's not going to steal it. A market crash isn't going to drain it. But we can have hope in our finished work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, the redemption of sinners. Lord, I praise you for that. Lord, I'm thankful that, that my value is not tied to what I produce. My value is in the blood of a lamb. I'm thankful that my happiness is not tied to a world that's cruddy and spinning out of control. I'm thankful that my security is not on any work that I might do, but that it's settled in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray here for your, as your people today that we would be renewed in that hope, that we would be renewed in that understanding, that we would be content and satisfied in that truth. Lord, I thank you for it. I pray that it, would, that it would consume our thoughts as we leave here today. It would, it would shape our spending habits as we walk out of here into this world that we are satisfied, not in these things, but in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray especially for anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know your son right now. And though they would look and though they would try and though they would run as fast as they can run, they'll find no peace, Lord. I pray that in this day, in the preaching of this good news, that they would be finally and fully satisfied in their Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, work in their hearts, move in their hearts. And then, Lord, we just praise you today. We worship you, we thank you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.